And so I just think about all the things that I worry about. What would it look like for me to turn those into to request, to asking to God, hey God, instead of me just worrying about this, I'm gonna bring you into this. What would that look like for you? Welcome to Praying Through Season Two. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors of Soul City Church here in Chicago. We're a local church with a global vision and a simple mission. We just we want to lead people into a transforming, a growing, a dynamic relationship with Jesus. And we do that lots of different ways. One of the ways I help towards that is I write books every now and then. And not too long ago, I wrote a book called Praying Through, how to actually turn the obstacles that might keep us from God into opportunities to connect us with God. It's just a way of, of practically praying, of, of finding a way to find God in whatever season you find yourself in. And the book came out in January of 2020. And I was so excited and it was so fun to see and hear people's response to the book and to be able to share the book with people all over the place. And everything was awesome until it wasn't because about two and a half months after the book came out, the entire world shut down and the entire world changed. My life changed, your life changed, all of our lives changed, everything changed. And we walked through one of, I think, one of the most significant seasons of our lifetime, certainly. I think there will be countless volumes of books written on the days that we are currently living through. And so what I wanted to do was actually go back to that book that I wrote that's been about two years working on and see uh, what I still think of it. I went back through and reread the book to see what it is that still holds true for me, what it is that maybe has been um, maybe more meaningful to me given all that I've gone through, we've all gone through the last year and a half. Maybe there's things that have shifted and changed um, in me and in, in what I wrote about and to be able to talk about that with you. And so uh, each episode of season two, I'm sharing a section of the book with you and then we're having a little conversation or sharing some thoughts about uh, it afterwards in real time. There's a great quote from the great Max Lucado that says, no one can pray and worry at the same time. That's good. No one can pray and worry at the same time. So for this episode, we're actually looking at chapter four of my book, Praying Through, How to Pray When I'm Worried. How to Pray When I'm Worried. Because if that's true, what Max Lucado said, no one can pray and worry at the same time, then we've got some explaining to do. There's, we got to figure this one out because I think all of us would probably say we're better at worrying than we are at praying. So that's the whole focus of uh, this book and something that I can raise my hand first and say, yep, I am someone who is very adept at worrying. And I want to figure out how to turn that worry into worship, how to turn that act of worrying into meditation, into prayer. So this is a section from the book. It's a little bit longer than some of the previous episodes, but um, it kind of combines a lot of the, the spirit of this chapter of the book. So this section is called Praying is Just Like Snowboarding. I love it. Praying is Just Like Snowboarding. This is what I wrote. Our family loves to snowboard. Well, when I say family, I mean me and the kids. 
Jeannie tried snowboarding with us a couple years ago and within the first 15 minutes broke her wrist. So most of our family loves to snowboard. I learned to snowboard when the sport was still very new. The gear was terrible. Most ski resorts looked down on snowboarders. We just had to figure it out, but not so today. Our our kids learned to snowboard at ages seven and nine. We enrolled them in snowboard school for a day, and they took to it like fish takes to water, or in this case, snow. One of their biggest lessons was about turning, which as I've learned the hard way, is important in snowboarding. The instructor taught them that the key to turning a snowboard is to turn your head. Turn your head and shoulders to the right and your body and board will follow. Turn your head and shoulders to the left and you can expect your body and board to do the same. Basically, your attention determines your direction. Your attention determines your direction. Where you keep looking is where you end up going. This is an invaluable lesson, not only for snowboarding, but also for any time you find yourself worrying. Anytime your heart and mind are fixed and focused on the 1,000 things that you ultimately have no control over, you are determining the direction of your life. Your life eventually becomes all about the things you worry about. They end up occupying your thoughts, decisions, and actions, and often in the end, all your worrying and getting worked up only leaves you empty-handed and brokenhearted. But this principle works the other way as well. Focus your attention on Jesus. Make him the one that you look to and the one that you look for. Fix your heart and mind on him, and your life will follow. Your attention will determine your direction. When you start with and stay with Jesus as the object of your affection and attention, your life will be drawn more and more to him. Looking for and looking to Jesus turns your worry to worship. Raising our kids in the city all these years has provided an unbelievable and unpredictable number of blessings and challenges. Our Our kids are city kids. I mean, they know their way around public transportation. They've grown up with a dynamic and diverse group of friends. They have an innate theology about justice for the poor and the marginalized. Sites and attractions that people travel from all over the world to experience are in their backyard. It has been far greater experience than we could have imagined. And it's it's come with its own unique set of challenges. One of those is their education. Chicago has a very challenged, inequitable, and broken education system. One of the struggles of raising kids in the city is that they have to test into their high school. In other words, rather than simply attending the high school in your area, your kids must spend seventh grade taking a series of exams that will determine the type of high school they go to. Test well and get good grades, and you have a great selection of quality schools. Test poorly, and your options grow limited. On top of that, siblings have no guarantee of attending the same high school. If one tests well and the other tests poorly, they will most likely be at different schools, which, given the size of Chicago, could be anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes apart. This leaves parents in the city with a few options. One, move out of the city. 
Two, spend countless time and money on tutors and test prep courses. Or three, complain about it with each other at every birthday party, basketball game, block party, and pick up or drop off. See, I never have to worry about small talk with parents of city kids. We always know what we can talk slash complain about. At the time I'm writing this, our eldest child, Elijah, is in the middle of his seventh grade year. Now, I can safely say that in the last two years, Gene and I have spent more than 100 hours talking about high school, considering contingency plans, touring high schools, and getting advice from other parents. We still don't know what we're going to do. Saying that we have worried about our children's future is an understatement. And here's what's interesting. At the time you're reading, or in this case, hearing this, we will have made our decision. All that we worried about will have been worked out. We will have figured it out and moved forward, which makes me wonder, will this worry have been worth it? Have you ever thought about just how much time you spend worrying? How many moments? How many hours? A few years ago, a study of about 2,000 people in London found that we spend an average of one hour and 50 minutes a day worrying. That's almost two hours a day worrying. That's more than 8% of your day. And that includes all the hours you're asleep. Assuming, of course, that you know you don't have stress dreams. Add that up and you spend almost 13 hours a week worrying. At this rate, over the course of 65 years, you'll spend five years of that worrying. That's crazy. Five years of your life, two hours of your day. What would you do to have those hours back? Do do you think you could find a better use for that time, something more productive, something that's kinder to your soul, something that moves things forward in your life? See, this is God's invitation to you. He not only wants to give you your life back, but he also wants to give you real life, a life rooted in worship rather than worry. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. It's easier said than done. I mean, it's not something you necessarily want to hear, right, when you're wound up in worry. But I believe God is offering you and I another way, a gentler way, a kinder way, a way that leads to peace. When you find yourself beginning to meditate in the wrong direction, he invites you to redirect your thoughts and fears to him. Turn your inner monologue into an open dialogue with God. Let him in by bringing your worry into the light. The the simplest way to do this is just tell him what you're worried about in that moment, however big or small it may be. God, I'm worried about where our kids are gonna go to school. God, I'm stressed about my to-do list at work today. God, I'm tied up in knots over the state of our nation right now. God, I'm, I'm worried sick over my mom being in the hospital right now. Just name what's going on in your heart before it stakes its claim on your heart. And then as you do, transform your anxiousness into asking. Try this. God, will you give us the wisdom to know what to do with our kids schooling? 
Please help us remember that you've taken care of them every day of their lives. Or, God, will you remind me that the burden is light and help me to work hard within my human limitations today? Or, God, I pray for our leaders that they will seek and find your wisdom today and you will show me how I can shine a little of the light of your love in my world today. Or, God, will you protect and heal my mom? Will you calm her fears and mine? Will you guide the doctors and all those who are caring for her today? And then in the next breath, turn your worry into worship. This is what Philippians 4 calls thanksgiving. We discussed this at length earlier in this book and in this podcast, but for the sake of this conversation, it can look something like this. God, thank you that you are in control. I'm so grateful that you hold not only the future, but also my kids' futures in your hands. Or God, thank you for this job. Thank you for providing me with it. Thank you for providing for me through it. And thank you for telling me that I already have all I need for life and godliness. I'm so glad to know you are with me every second I spend at work. Or God, thank you for your kingdom, which is greater than any nation. Thank you that I have a perspective far greater than politics and that whatever comes my way, you are never surprised and always in control. God, thank you for my mom. Thank you for all the ways that she's cared for me. And thank you that in this season, you're inviting me to care for her. See, you can make a shift in a moment. You can change the direction of your attention back to God. You can go from heavy to light, from beaten down to filled up, from worry to worship. And as you do, God promises you that he will give you something far greater in exchange. He will give you peace, peace to guide you, peace to guard you, peace to cover you, peace to carry you. He'll replace the hours wasted in worry with greater purpose and peace. So the reason I wanted to share that section of the book is because one, I love when I get to snowboard with our kids. But more than that, I wrote about this knowing that I would be at this moment. I wrote this when our son was in seventh grade. As I'm recording this now, he is about to start his sophomore year. So that just shows you how long the writing process can take. And I knew that when I was writing this, when he was in seventh grade, that we will have made our decision by the time you either read the book or by the time you heard this pod, we'll have made a decision. And Uh, It was not at all what we had imagined or expected. We spent countless hours worrying and wondering how it was all going to work out and what were we going to do and where was he going to go to school because where he went to school affected where his sister went to school and all of that work, all of that worry, hours and hours and hours and hours of it. And eventually it, you know, it worked out. We figured it out. And it, again, like I said, I said in a previous episode, we ended up uh, moving just right outside the city, just 15 minutes from where we were living so that he could go to a great, great, great high school and that he and his sister, Gigi, would be able to go to the same high school together, which is a value of ours that they go to the same high school together. And it ended, <laughs> it ended up meaning that in the middle of a global pandemic, we realized I mean, right in the middle of a global pandemic, that we would need to sell our house, that we would need to buy a house, 
And the way that my wife rolls, we would probably end up renovating that house because she just has an addiction to renovation. And we could have never imagined that. Like when I sat down to write this, I would have had, I, I, I would have said that that's on the board, but you know, there's a thousand other things before that one. I just could not have seen it. And I just think now as we're seeing our kids thrive, as we're seeing them make new relationships, as we're seeing them adapt and adjust to changes, things that they love and miss about living in the city. And I, I couldn't have imagined this moment that we're in now. All I could imagine to do at the time was to, to worry about it. I mean, even just think about like, even, you know, for those of you who've moved over the last year and a half, and a lot of people have, I mean, just that whole concept of, of selling a house and, and buying a house in the middle of a pandemic and what was supposed to be a pretty significant recession. And even in the house that we bought there, we had to begin the renovation right away. But because of COVID, there have been so many setbacks where actually, as I'm recording this, we are days away from moving into the house and it is months away from being done. <laughs> If I'm being honest with you, we're like, we're moving in in a couple of days. And it, if you were to walk through it right now, you'd go, really, really? Like you're going to move into this because COVID has just thrown all kinds of supply lines out of whack and the silliest and smallest things aren't available. And it's holding up this process and slowing it down. And it's costing more than, you know, we were planning on. And there've been so many things that we've worried about. Oh man, what are we going to do if this doesn't happen? What are we going to do if this doesn't happen? We were supposed to actually move in a month ago and we figured out that that wasn't going to happen about two months before that, that there's no way we're going to be ready a month ago. And the place that we were temporarily living wasn't available for us. We were only able to live in it for three months. And so we had to find a place to live for this last month. And I can't tell I me mean, the first place I went to was worry. What are we going to do? How's this going to work? What about the kids? What about the dogs? How's this gonna, how are we going to do this at work? How we, how's this all going to work out? We don't even know where to go. Everything I'm looking at online is so expensive. And I can, I can just, I can rev that engine up. I mean, that, that, that impulse comes quick to me to worry. And so even as I read back over this chapter and think about, do, do I really believe that God wants to turn my worry into worship? Uh, I'm so grateful that after kind of revving my worry engine up, I was able to come to a place and go, okay, God, I can keep living at that click, at that pace, or I can choose to trust that you have something more for us. And of course, we, you know, we had to figure it out. Wouldn't you know it that a friend of a friend that we asked to pray for us because we reached out to a group of friends and said, hey, would you pray for us? And while you're praying, if God brings anything to mind, would you let us know? And this friend of ours from the church popped back and said, hey, I think I, I, think I, I know someone where it might work. And they had a friend who just happened to be out of their house for the whole month that we exactly needed a place to live. And that friend immediately responded to a text message sent from her and said, absolutely, I would love to do that. And so we're living in someone's house that we didn't even know a month ago. And so I just think about all the things that I worry about. What would it look like for me to turn those into, to request, to asking to God, hey, God, instead of me just worrying about this, well, I'm going to bring you into this. What would that look like for you? And even then turning that asking into thanksgiving to gratitude. Hey God, thank you. Even as I don't know what to do, or even as I'm, you know, I feel fear creeping in, I'm going to thank you for this aspect of who you are. I'm going to thank you for the things that you already have done. You know, all I can see is the things that don't make sense or don't add up or you haven't done, but man, I have a longer list of the things that you have done, the ways you have provided, the ways that you have shown up for me. 
so I want to turn that worry into worship. This is what I'm talking about in that section where I read, you know, that your attention determines your direction. I want to redirect my attention back to Jesus and start there rather than just defaulting to worry. I wonder what that would look like for you to take whatever it is that you are fixated on and turn that fix, you know, fixation into meditation, you know? Like to actually turn that into, okay, rather than just worrying about this, I want to I actually bring God into this. I'm going to just change a couple of the words in a sentence that I might say out loud in a crazy rant. I want to change some words around and redirect it to God and let my attention be on him and just watch as God does what only he can do and we do what only we can do and how things end up working out. Not always as we imagined, not always as we would have chosen, but far better than anything we were worried about. And so that really is, I love this chapter of the book. I actually, in the book, I don't have time for it in this pod, but I spent a whole section talking about the mental, obviously, but the physiological effects of worry, like what worry does to your body. It's incredible. There's so much science and so much data on the incredibly negative physiological effects that worry has on your body. It's fascinating. I think you might actually really dig it. That's in there. Uh, as well as uh, at the end of every chapter, I offer not only a prayer, but a practice for you to to actually put this to work in your life. And so if you would like to dive a little bit deeper, if maybe you're really worried about something, or this has been something you've been wrestling with your whole life about worrying and kind of revving up the worry engine, you know, uh, I'd encourage you to check out the book. Uh, I, I think it's a really helpful tool in helping you connect with God. You can uh, buy it anywhere that books are sold. You can learn more about the book by going to my site. Uh, jarrettstevens.com. And there's resources there. There's a little reflection guide for you, like a personal reflection guide to kind of walk you through the book. I wrote it so that you could kind of dive even deeper than the words on the page. And it's also a a group discussion guide as well. If you want to take your small group, if you're a part of a small group or you want to lead a small group around prayer, this is, it's written in such a way just for you to do that. You can download that for free on my site at jarrettstevens.com. And then if we don't know each other yet, I'd love to get to know you. You can follow me on social. I'm pretty much only on Instagram these days and and lots of times barely on that. So you can follow me at at Jarrett Stevens. Send me a DM. Let me know that you heard this. And um, I would love to connect with you. And if there's a way that I can pray for you, I would absolutely love to do that. And then last thing that would make a huge difference is for you to subscribe to this podcast, to follow along. Maybe send it with a to a friend. Leave a review if you're up to it. Um, if this has helped you in some way or encouraged you or given you a fresh perspective, that would be incredibly not only meaningful to me, but it helps other people find this podcast. And the whole goal of the book and the whole goal of this podcast is to help people find God in whatever season they may find themselves in. And so if you'd be willing to subscribe, follow along, that would be incredibly helpful. Like I said, at the end of every episode, I'd like to pray for you. This is a prayer coming out of the end of this chapter on how to pray when I am worried. And uh, like I've said each episode, I'll close my eyes. You don't have to. You're probably in the middle of something right now. So I would just love to pray this over you, and I'd encourage you to let this be a prayer prayed over you right now. So let's pray. Gracious God, you are surprisingly unsurprised. You're not worried about a thing. Thank you for inviting me to do the same. Help me to trust you. Help me to rest in your relentless love. Help me to see that every little worry is an invitation 
to change the direction of my attention. Help me to transform my worry into worship and give me the peace that you promise, the peace that settles this anxious, wayward, and worry-bound heart, the peace that guides and guards, the peace that I need, the peace that only you can give. Amen. Thank you so much for carving out this time. I hope it was helpful to you, and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Take care.